Well, about 12 months ago, I started this podcast just to interview my comedy friends. And then once I saw those episodes were getting about seven views, I thought, well, I better try and shoot for people that I grew up admiring as a kid. My favorite singers. I had the great Stephen Piercy from Rat. My favorite video vixens, Tawny Katane, Bobby Brown. Uh, then I thought, you know what? Wrestling has always been my number one thing in life. I had WCW heavyweight champ David Arquette. What you might say was the dark era of WCW. He was on this couch, but today. And the word legend is often overused because uh, there are very few legends in the world. Uh, this man I have sitting on my couch, I used to hate as a kid because he was without a doubt the number one heel of all time. One of the top five wrestlers of all time. Baby Jesus. Even people who don't like pro wrestling, who have no interest in pro wrestling, know this man's name. He started MTV. He started WrestleMania. And these bad guys today could learn a lot. And he's also one of the greatest actors of all time. They live. John Carpenter proves that fact. Please, inappropriate oral listeners, put your dirty, disgusting, greasy hands together. And this might be the greatest person I'll ever have a privilege to have his ass on my couch, Mr. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm on your couch. I'm honored just with the amount of people that have had their posteriors on this particular bed. It's very comfortable couch, too. I must just well, let's do a second there. If you've only <laughs> known what's gone on right where you're sitting. You know, sir, I have all the respect in the world for you, but uh, I do know, and uh, uh, I'll change chairs. Just give you a second. Well, you better change jeans okay. <laughs> when you get out of here. Now, I had... Uh, I don't even know. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here, you and your furry little creature there. What's your that is name? Lois. Um, Lois. She is like uh, my Frankie. Has... Did you know that the first Lassie was a boy dog? I did not. And they're like, cut, cut, cut. No, cut, cut. Somebody comb the hair over Lassie's nuts. Okay, go, action. Well, can you imagine if that was uh, done today in high death? <laughs> I what. But anyway, as it goes in lore, I'm sorry, uh, your name is... This uh, is Lois. Lois. Um, undefeated at Michael Vick's house, 28-0. Nice. Um, she actually was abused by a man. So uh, oh, if you... No, not... no, it, who could... Uh, you know who... I'm not up for that, but I'll pet you. <laughs> it's I, I could understand smacking a pit bull around, but I mean, you know, they can take it. Uh, yeah. Who's going to kick this dog? But uh, so she's a little wary of men your size, okay? Which is why I'm constantly petting her, and uh, she, she's uh, honored to have you here as well. Let me just pick her up just in case. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a few incidents. I got you. Yeah, well, that's a lot of dog there. You know, I wouldn't want that coming at me. She actually bit someone at WrestleMania. She, even she was mad at how Sting was booked. <laughs> you didn't like uh, uh, the booking of Sting at all, if well, I remember correctly. Well, I, what I have to do is, first of all, apologize to you. Why? And your fan base on uh, 
Piper's Pit Podcast last week on Podcast One Network. She knows how I threw that plug in there. I appreciate it. Seemingly. That. That's a pro. Very cool. Mr. Piper. Very cool, dude. Uh, I mistakenly said that... St- and the wrestling fans called me out a very... Uh, did they get on you? They did. Uh, Sting actually debuted at Survivor Series. Okay. And then Fastlane. Well, that happens when you're... There's so many, it's hard to... You knew that it was someplace in there, though. Well, you know, to you be know, honest so- with you, you know, Mr. Piper, I'm I'm starstruck around you because... <laughs> Stop it. I am, though. You are a superhero to me. This is like... <sighs> The equivalent of me getting to talk to the Incredible Hulk. Well, you're one of the, you're a Kennedy. Yeah, but no one cares. Oh, yeah, lots of folks care about you. Well, I mean, the only thing that being a Kennedy meant uh, as a kid was my mom would never let me drive in a convertible in Dallas. Oh, maybe. Especially around libraries. (laughs) But as a child. Uh, Yes, sir. I hated you. You did? Because well, how old were you when you wait a second now? Say hate. That's a strong word. But you were When do you first remember this just not hate yet, just disliking me? Was well, it when like you... dislike on first sight? No. <laughs> but, but you were such a good bad guy. So at first you maybe liked me a little bit, no? When not really. Saw, when not I really no. When I started liking wrestling, I, for some reason, always gravitated towards the S.D. Jones. Nice. Uh, his brother, whose name is, this, I want to say Tom Jones, but I don't know. I wrestle, you know what? I wrestle, I bet you it is. I wrestled Tom Jones in uh, Strongbow Stadium in Bakersfield, California, and in the ring, and loser gets run over by a motorcycle. And uh, the motorcycle was in the ring, and Tom Jones... I started up the motorcycle and tried to run him over, and he had but he stood, excuse me, he side, he got out of the way and head butted me, and I fell off the motorcycle and he pinned me, and this guy came in, Judo Gene Lavelle, and rode the motorcycle over me twice, boom 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 boom, boom 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 boom. So uh, yeah, I do know Tom Jones. Well, they must have skipped that match during Black History Month on the. Uh... WWE Network, nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. I just plugged them. There you go. Well, yeah, you know, you got to keep them rocking. Well, listen. Uh, so I apologize to you and your fans for getting the facts wrong. I'm I'm still riled up about Sting. But well, you know, you're not, you're riled up because he didn't live up to well to what you want to say. It, it, well, it's like I said last week on your podcast, and I want to get into how you would have done it differently. It would have made sense, I'm guessing. You, you've you got this four-month buildup to bring in the only guy who never came to the dark side, so to speak. <laughs> I came to the dark side. Went to TNA. That's even the darker side. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And you just had this tremendous opportunity to have that last, oh, my God, what the fuck moment. I can't believe he's here. Yeah. He's the only guy left. He was the last holdout. Well, just, you've already brought Hogan. significance Ho- of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've already brought Hogan back a million times. It, it, yeah. I think it loses its luster. Uh, as much as I love The Undertaker, you've you've mm-hmm. brought him back several times, and it's yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, Flair. Hot pros, yeah. Um, and... You know, really only Sting, and I, you might be able to say Goldberg, uh, although I don't think he has near the fan base of Sting. 
Uh, uh, no, I didn't. He didn't have that long in the business either to be put up against Sting as far as a fan base. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you so. had uh, this great opportunity to introduce Sting to the younger fans who, you know, I would say 25 and under don't know who he is. They think, which is, it's hard. It's hard to believe. Uh, That's correct. But I mean, know, it's, but I guess it's the times. It's crazy to me that uh, you could tell these little kids are like, who the hell is this old guy in makeup with the 27 bald spots? <laughs> it's gone from, from three to four to 27. Well, that podcast we did was last week. I mean, I'm sure a few sprouted up. And I'm a Sting fan. <laughs> I know you're a huge Sting. You're a huge Sting fan and a huge Warrior fan. But I'm. A- <laughs> Let's look at the motives. Did you? Okay, wait a second. What if you compared this to? Did you see the Pacquiao Mayweather fight? Uh, it was yes. I watched okay. it for free outside of Saddle Ranch. Thank you very much, uh, Bob Arum. Hundred dollars for that. Uh, <laughs> um. So, what do you think of that fight? As far as, far as let me rephrase the question. What do you think of that fight when you're saying bringing Sting back? Um, it's an epic moment. In that particular boxing match, That in their careers, and those gentlemen, that was kind of an epic moment for them. Not kind of, is. Oh, absolutely. So, what did you think of the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight? Well, I, I, I like... Uh... $200 million guys get. Oh, money-making. The, the Jewish part of me, which is substantial, uh, is a big fan of that fight. Help me, please. I saw Listen, that. you made more money than I did. I mean, I'm just, you know. Uh, so just save. By the way, uh, I've made so much money doing comedy the last month. I'm going on RowdyRoddyPiper.com <laughs> and uh, buy an autograph they live mask for $79, which is a, a nice bargain, if you ask me. Thank you very much. You're damn right. And a uh, What Would uh, Roddy Piper Do t-shirt. Thank Signature series. Yeah, because of bootleggers. You know, we work hard to make them names. You know, and then when they just steal them on us, we're not, I'm not mad at you, but unless it says my name on it from now on, it didn't come from me. Well, you know, and let me say this to the people listening out there. Uh, Mr. Piper did not ask me to show you what a class act he is. He said, what do you want me to plug about you? And uh, I, I've got uh, not much to plug other than my ass. So, <laughs> But that's how classy this man is. Here is a living legend, and I ain't oh. talking Larry Zabisco. Oh, 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 Please, boy. let's not go there. Oof, gotcha. I mean, you are, I mean, come on. I mean, listen, you got, want to have a nice nickname, that's fine by me. But uh, living legend is, you know, uh, it's a bit of an Abba Zabba stretch for that guy. Is he in the hall? He just got in the Hall of Fame. Who the hell? I think he did just... Uh... He did. An odd Hall of Fame speech. Well, he's an odd guy. He is, but you know, he's a he's a good man. Larry, he's a good man. Do you know what happened? Uh, uh, no, I don't. Please, Mr. Piper, by all means. <laughs> On the history of Larry? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be a poser. I do not know the history of Mr. Z- okay, Smith. Okay, so allegedly. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> allegedly, it is. Uh, Bruno Sammartino uh, had taken Larry under his wing and Larry had drove him crazy and Larry did do the work and um, Larry Zabisco uh, was a rocket 
uh, jet going up in the sky, rocket speed, uh, with uh, Bruno Sammartino and Mr. McMahon Sr. Uh, his blessings and behind him. Uh, forgot what I was talking about. Larry Zabisco, yeah, interesting story. So. I can't, I can't no, believe. I'm there. I'm almost there. Uh-huh. No, and it's only an hour podcast, right? We got to get going. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Get up. Thank you. A lot of those steel mending dental folding chairs. It's all right. Uh, they, so, boom, he's like a rocket ship. And so then they do the the turn uh, where all of a sudden Larry Zabisco turned on Bruno Sammartino, which at that time, I don't know that you could do anything worse. What happened with Larry is, happens with a lot of us, is uh, he made a business choice. Because uh, they ended up going to Shea Stadium. And this is what started pay-per-views, the whole North and South War, which is now WWF, uh, then became WWF, WCW, now boom, WWE. This is what started that whole war, this incident right here. I just never thought about it. Uh, Eddie, I, that's another, I think. So here we are. Um, uh, pick me up is uh, um, Larry Zabisco and Bruno and Chase Stadium, they did $500,000. Uh, one, at that time, you consider it a house show. That's crazy. Okay, so like they're doing the garden. The garden's selling out like, holy cow. And they go to Shea Stadium. It's got so big because of Larry Zabisco, tur- uh, be- you know, turning his back on Bruno. Bruno's a, f- a fine man. A fine man. I mean, uh, like, whoa. Uh all my respect. He outranks me for sure. And uh, I don't. Uh, no, no. Uh, I no, must no, no. disagree with you, Mr. Piper, respectfully. <laughs> you do. Anyway, so now they're, they're rolling and Larry goes, hey, listen, now, I want this much money for Shea Stadium or I ain't going out. Allegedly. And coming from one that's been blackballed three times, uh, whatever was worked out was worked out. And it went away. Uh, Larry Zabisco would have like, yeah, that, that's why he got that Hall of Fame. That's what happened to him. And that that's what, okay, I'll tell you why. That, and when Crockett heard about Shea Stadium, because the, the, like the territories uh, would end in Washington, D.C., and, Cro- uh, and that was McMahon, and Crockett picked it up to Norfolk. That was the line. Well, when they did the 500,000, Crockett and Ole, I was right there. That's where the dog collar match came in. And it was the South. And it was literally, I was there. Davy Crockett, Jim Crockett, uh, direct descendants of Davy, the Davy Crockett. And they said, all right. And they put on this thing called Starcade, the very first pay-per-view in history. And that's what started that that whole. Okay, you know I, I won't ramble on. No, Mr. Piper, you oh, can I ramble. Just was a little history there. No, no, we we're gonna get into the current uh, scene, but uh, I think uh, my fans don't really know uh, a lot about like pre WrestleMania and, and you oh, know. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's where that's where all the damage is done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting that, ready for the game. You know? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, right now I've got a match with you and uh, Mr. Perfect. Uh, I, I, mean, I thought it was Schultz. No, no, but that's you broke in. Not broke in, but uh, you were early in your career uh, managing Dr. D. David Schultz. Um, and uh, Orndorff. Because, you know, my left ear, I lost a hearing. Right. In the dog collar match. And I came to New York and they went, ah, it's got a heel, make him a manager. Uh, and then I like, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> so they said to me, I'm in the garden. I, I don't watch it. I don't watch other, the others wrestle for a reason because um, because of this reason right here. So they said, okay, go out. You got Orndorff. So it's a garden vote. I go out. Orndorff gets up on the apron. I get up on the apron. Orndorff takes his robe off, gives it to me. I throw it down to the guy that's always there, takes the apron and it's off. He gets into the Orndorff, gets in the... Uh, into the ring, I get boomed down on the uh, on the floor. I'm on the apron. I say, "Ring the bell! Come on, bum bum!" I stay there the whole match. I almost have a riot. Well, I come back. Well, <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. There's Captain Lou Wizard, Grand Wizard Freddie Blassie. He went down with this man, da 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 da. Whatever they did, took his robe and came back. I'm not coming back. <laughs> do you know how hard it was to get here? <laughs> Don't be stupid. <laughs> and almost, and then they went, "Holy cow!" We need to hell with his ear. Get him. It's exactly how that happened. Just uh, I was into it. Let's go banging the apron and trying to pull his leg. And, you know, it's just Madison Square Garden, just 24,000 Puerto Ricans with knives. <laughs> they get hot fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll get you. And for the record, uh, the great grand wizard is not uh, Tom Metzger from the KKK. He's a uh, legendary uh, manager. Uh, we just yes. don't. We don't want to uh, confuse the younger fans out there. Uh, what do you like to read? I like to keep my biographies real simple. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I read Chris Jericho's biography, which was uh, it was great. I really liked it because um, I was kind of a WCW guy. Uh, gotcha. Um, I really, uh, you know, I think their marketing strategy originally of getting the. Uh, the name guys like Hogan and Macho Man over was like, oh, I'm going to watch over there now. So uh, that mid-90s, WC. And when you came in, and, and of course, the Warrior, which uh, yeah. might have been uh, the worst rematch in wrestling history, <sighs> could have been great. And I want to get into booking. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. Go. Be because I think... Uh, you know, we, I know I don't want to bore people with Sting talk all, uh, again, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I told you last week on my uh, on your podcast how I would have done the uh, Sting angle. Uh, I, I didn't think the run-ins were necessary. Uh, and by the way, when I say run-in, I use that term real loosely. I mean... <laughs> I've, I've seen two. A, a lack of velocity. <laughs> well, I mean, you know when Nash looks the fastest out of the group. Um, listen, I'm... You got them long legs. <laughs> let me tell you something right now, Mr. Piper, and this is where my blood's starting to boil again. Uh, my five favorite wrestlers of all time, in no particular order, are you, uh, the Ultimate Warrior, uh, Rick Rude, uh, Scott Hall, and Ric Flair. I, I, I mean that to me is like I could watch your guys' matches, promos all all day, all night, and maybe I put Kamala in there on a special exemption. Um, special exam. I, I don't want to see uh, Hall and Hogan uh, just waddle to the ring. I mean, Sting's fifty six. Let's get, keep this match going, and then uh, the DX running down. Uh, uh, 
they're slower than Hogan and Hall. <laughs> X Pac, stick to the porn business. <laughs> you know, I, I think you have DX and NWO all turn on Sting, and then Goldberg's music hits, cleans house. You give Sting the cheap win so Paul Levesque can say he didn't beat me, and you build up a nice bill towards SummerSlam. How do you? How would you have booked Sting? Boy, that's a really difficult question for me. Given who he was wrestling, I mean, I, I'm assuming you can't make him look because I know I don't know anything about the backstage politics. You do. I I'm assuming. Uh, no finish was going to be given to Sting that made him look dominant over Triple H. Is that, am I correct? That no finish would be. I don't think they would make Sting look uh, like stronger than Triple H. Yes. Yeah. Um. Interesting. I think, uh, boy. Let me just be honest with this. Please do. You know. Uh, there's a lot of cards there. There's a lot of cards. We'll just use the word cards uh, as far as different. Sometimes people look at that. When you look at a match, uh, there's different things you're trying to get out of it all at the same time, but they don't necessarily pertain to each other. Uh, so the company WWE brand would want uh, Triple H to come out shining brighter star than Sting. Yes, I believe that. However, do I think that um, the WWE brand would like go out of their way to construct a match? So Sting, like, nah, nah. You know, they, they do a lot wrong, but they do some things right. And there's something, you know, no, I don't think, I don't think so because of the age also and the circumstances, they didn't need to tell him to slow down. Right. You know, it's a matter what I'm, and what I'm uh, getting from you and make sure I'm on topic here. What I'm getting from you is this, is like, uh, would they try to, they want the Triple H to win over Sting. They wanted to triumph because it's, uh, you know, it's great for business. The WWF's always, uh, always killed the WCW, you know, from old wounds, uh, you know. Uh, we, we, everybody left a feast of themselves in that war or whatever that line is. Uh, are they, are they, uh, are they that, do they think that way? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, they're all taken, but you know, they'll take a shot to get someplace higher if they need to. So just to tell Sting to, to have them do not do something for them just to get over, I don't think so, but I can give you an example where they did. With Please me, do. Is I'm doing, uh, <laughs> that's humor, that's fucking humor. Uh, where <laughs> this is why you're on the show, baby. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want the Brooklyn brawler. I got no no questions for him or Iron Mike Sharp uh, yeah, other than. Uh, yeah, here's, a, okay, here's an instance where started doing promos on Hogan, you know, and bomb and they're all, you know, they're all, I'm open season, you see, hey, what the fuck you want to say? I don't give a shit. Uh, and boom, and the kilt, and the, you know, the fags, and the girl, whatever. Uh, yeah, bring it on. My turn, yeah, and you know, I'm going to get you, I got a tube, a Rogaine for you, yeah? And, you know, and I need some, 
you blonde paint and, you know, a cat, cat. What do you mean, cat? You can't say that. I just said it. <laughs> what do you mean I can't? No, no, don't talk about his hair. What fucking hair? <laughs> There's no hair. That's my fuck. No, I said he talks about my kilt being a dress. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was like. Now, let me justify by saying this because I'll give you the what the rule, old school rule is. Uh, and it happened to me where I got beat up for saying something. Uh, the guy named Paul Jones out of Mid Atlantic, and he would have been maybe in the late 40s, and I'm coming up rash. And uh, I did an interview every time I passed the cemetery, every time Paul passed the cemetery, uh, two guys chasing with shovels, you know. Uh, and he comes up to me and takes me away for 30 minutes, proceeds to tell me, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? One. And two, this is a business. How could you go, what, justify your business by calling me an old man? Justify how that's going to sell tickets. And three, you know, if I'm not great, when you beat me, you don't beat anybody great. You're that stupid. You're just going to degrade a guy, and then when you beat him, it means nothing. Half hour of that speech. Okay, so whew, there's those underneath, and that's what you're asking. Would they take those underneath cheap shots? With the example with Hogan and I, I don't know. Am I wrong back then in 84? to do the hair thing, considering what he was representing at the time to the label, to the brand, to the company. Ah. I guess not. But that's what made people hate you. Like, how could this? Yeah, yeah. But it's for them, it's too much hate. <laughs> oh. Kind of. So I, I was, there's the only time I think I was censored. Okay. Okay, so going back to um, how would I brought Sting in and all that? Say so in a perfect world, you're given full, Triple H yeah. comes to you or, or Vince or whoever. Uh, I'm assuming it's those two who are the, the head dogs that say, listen, you book them however you want. First of all, I wanted to know that I'm not necessarily up. I haven't I've been working and haven't had a chance to see anything that's going on. And I... Anybody that answers the bell, you know, I got all the respect in the world for him. I'm not a judge. I'm not qualified. You are today. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid. Oh, no, not at <laughs> all. But uh, thank you, Jeff. Um, okay. I didn't really see anything that was going on, but I, I would have probably. Uh, but basically, Triple H yeah, is uh, heading this group called The Authority. They are, uh, for lack of a better uh phrase kind of like a, the four horsemen nwo oh, okay. uh bad guys uh, yeah oh uh well there's well they got these two bodyguards who do they're about as useful okay. they're about as useful as virgil <laughs> you know if you're in watts well <laughs> listen if i'm ever going to a wrestle show in watts uh, you, bud. the end's <laughs> coming <laughs> i hear you so the uh what were you just talking so, about? So uh, they're like the, the bad uh, click uh, of the WWE right now. They are uh, you know making everything hard on the good guys. And I think gotcha. when they started doing the Sting vignettes, you know, which was just basically him walking around in a graveyard. I, I could have been a little more creative in my opinion, <laughs> but hey, uh, he was kind of being brought in almost as his WCW character, the vigilante, like, yeah. I'm here to save the day. So what did they do 
to match Sting with Triple H early on? That they did, what was the decision that made that match? Well, here's how it goes, and I'm now I've got the order of the pay per views correct. <laughs> um, and I don't want to. I'll gloss over these things because I know you don't have all day to talk about uh, the current product. Believe me, who who the hell would want to do that? I'd rather watch two girls in a cup backwards. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, three-hour raw. You can't. Ah, you well, so anyway, <laughs> long story short. Uh, uh, dry humor, but yeah. That real dry. Great, great Drier stuff. than a uh, porn star's <laughs> vagina after 5 p.m. <laughs> that's, that's dry. That's real push. dry. I've Maybe. seen one. <laughs> when this when this girl ca- had kids, she probably thought uh, they were on a water park ride. <laughs> oh, oh. So you you know how Survivor Series works. Uh, There is a great match between two guys who I think are awesome. Uh, Seth Rollins, who is the the, the new heel of the company, and uh, Dolph Ziggler, who is a very uh, talented wrestler. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Triple H interferes. Uh, I think if uh, Seth Rollins lost the authority loses power. So that's why he was about to lose. Triple H interferes. Uh, He's about to put Seth Rollins over a lifeless Dolph Ziggler for the win. Scott Armstrong's the uh, referee, who's like the bad guy referee, like kind of a Danny Davis. All of a sudden, the lights come out. Out walks Sting. Puts Triple H in the Scorpion Death Drop, then reverses uh, the positions where Dolph Ziggler now is penning Seth Rollins, and that set up the eventual, uh, you know, basically Sting interfered to yeah. cause the Authority their jobs. And the Authority the bad guy. Yeah, and then at Fastlane, uh, same thing, uh, Triple H and Sting in the ring, uh, not fighting, just a promo. And it set up the WrestleMania match. I want you at WrestleMania. Does it? Yeah. yeah exactly. Is that it? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, <clears throat> I I also heard that they only had X amount of dates. Yes, I think Sting. Work with. I'm not involved in the WWE uh, financial department, but I believe. And I, I, I'm so scared now that your fans are going to, like, jump on me. Uh, female fans can feel free. I've seen some of your female fans. They, I've seen two of your female fans walking around. I thought it was Hakeem and uh, Earthquake. We'll get into we'll, we'll get into Hakeem's jive character in a few minutes. Uh, but it was, um, I just, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. It left me limp. <laughs> okay well let's see you got five shots at it and i guess one of the shots is wrestlemania that gives you four so what do you do um i don't know the vignettes I, very mysterious he didn't he didn't speak at all uh even in the promos at uh survivor series and fast lane he literally didn't say a word he just pointed with his bat so they were, you know, you remember him in WCW yeah, yeah. as the quiet, didn't yeah, talk yeah, a lot. Yeah. As the crow, anyway. Yeah. Hmm. 
Is that the guy he wants to be? Was he the guy, the sting that uh, well, that's, Sting wants to be? Well, you that, know, the sting with the brush cut and uh, and the sting that's a crow? Well, who's, that's what they led you to believe. So who's who's the other sting? You got a sting with a uh, brush cut and you got a sting with a crow. Well, Is there a sting in between? Well, you know, I mean, what is Bischoff and Russo running this? Uh, no, but you know, I asked, I, I asked that question. It, it, what one of the problems is? This is one of the first rules uh, of pro wrestling: never change your name, right? Ever. As soon as you change your name, you change your uh, you change you kill your credibility. So you mean like when uh, I'm, I'm Roddy Piper from day, Roddy the Piper from day one? So like you're talking about one man gang, then goes into Hakeem, Sting, Crow, Bomb, Cop. Rick Flair, Rick Flair. Right. Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. Right Fiverr, right Fiverr. Guys that change, you kill your credibility instantly. And then uh, credibility defined is money in your pocket. Oh, absolutely. You know, so that's my first take. And I don't know. I'd maybe look at the brush cut sting and you know, go well. I understand. It's a couple of years ago, and the core, the the sting is a uh, the crow. Uh, I may have tried to find somebody in the middle it's because I know he has a range and he doesn't mind showing it. It's the only reason I can talk like this about him. Oh. I would probably find one in there that maybe did talk in whatever way, and don't give them either one. Give them something brand. Brand right. new, the root of whatever the combination of sting is, instead of bringing back the crow or the, it's almost an insult to do with the, you know, the brush cut kid. Well, I don't think they can yeah. do that one. <laughs> no, but but the idea is this: that they just went, well, we've got, you know, you asked me how to do it, and I, and I'm going, well, you got these two in a well field split, then the fans accept them that way. I can't split. I can't come back as Herman Goring or whatever the, you know, whatever right. the guy's name is. Uh, then find somebody in the middle there, and uh, that would really, I think, get the friends' attention. With your four shots, you could, right? Yeah, you know, because it's, it's new. I think I might have done something like that. No, I, I get it. I mean, you, you know, I just to me, and I'm just an idiot fan. I mean, <laughs> I am though. I mean, you, you know, I just they buried him. It, it, with no, so why, why do you think so? Why do you think? Well, I think it's four di different types of uh, bearing. Uh, now, to me, Triple H always says he'll do what's best for business. <laughs> now, being Jewish, I know business. Uh, having him lose in the fashion he did with these horrible run-ins, and it's like the writers and, and bookers just said, ah, fuck it, we'll just turn the match into a clusterfuck. That kind of disrespectful to Sting in his what might be his only WrestleMania match. Uh, it's like give him that WrestleMania moment of you because here's the thing, and I don't want to talk too much because I want you this is about you, baby. But <laughs> uh, you know, Triple H's uh character the Monday after WrestleMania, win or lose, is the same. Uh, he's Triple H, the bad shyster you know schemer married to stephanie in real life which i think makes fans even hate him a little more sting is you know kind of an unknown to wwe fans uh, of a certain age which is a large part of their audience so i think it's better business for t-shirt sales his dvds and and anything with the sting name on it 
if you have him beat Triple H. Because now he's like, that's the guy who beat Triple H. I want to know more about him. I want to buy the history of Sting or whatever the DVD is going to be called. Now it's, oh, it's just a, it's just the old dude in makeup who lost to Triple H. Who the hell cares about his history? Then you know what I would have done? I know exactly. I would have let Sting, I would have propelled his butt in there when Triple H was there and a piece of metal in his hand and just have him Sting club him like a baby seal, Rodney King his butt, wah, wah, beat him with an inch of his life. Yeah. So you <laughs> and, make and as a bad as the good guys come to save him, our bad guys would repel a butt back up there and you don't see him again. Right. <laughs> then you're like, you know, yeah. Oh my God. Oh who, boy. Who was that? Yeah. So, and what a beating. <laughs> yeah. That guy bloody. And younger fans would have been like, oh, oh, Sting, let me look Wikipedia and let me go buy his Did YouTube videos. Or... Triple H get in the ring with another guy and he keeps looking around yeah. scared. You know, when he doesn't see something, oh, come down and beat the dog out of him again. <laughs> like one of my favorite uh, Sting moments in WCW was uh, you had a match against the NWO. I forget. I want to say Buff Bagwell or, or one of them. And of course, it's a great. You're t totally carrying the match. I mean, <laughs> your back must have been broken from carrying that match. Uh, and here, here we go with awful run-ins. Virgil, uh, Scott Norton. Uh, I think Horace Hogan was floating around. Uh, Hogan. Horace, holy cow! Hogan comes out. Long story short, they're beating the shit out of you. And then all of a sudden, from every corner of the arena, all these fake stings start coming from everywhere. <laughs> and, of course, the, the announcers are really hamming it up. Oh, my God, there's Sting. No, wait, there's Sting. Finally, 20 stings are getting thrown out of the ring, beat up, and Buff Bagwell hits a sting, and he does this little muscle pose, and it was the real sting. And then you and Sting clean house. I would have liked to I, I don't know. I, I just, I, God damn it, Mr. Piper. I, I, I just, and then to have JBL. <laughs> shitting on Sting the whole match. Now, maybe Vince is telling, hey, say this now. This isn't Starcade, brother. This is the big leagues. You've never wrestled in something like this before. Totally shitting on the guy's 30-year 30 career, 30 career. Well, JBL was only given a push because he was giving Vince stock tips. Why not give Jim Cramer a fucking belt? Mad money guy. Uh, Our cat. Well, can't blame Vince for that one. I think maybe Vince uh, planted our cat over there. So that's shitty number two, the, the announcing. Number three. And I know you're closely aligned with this woman. Uh, and it's a segment that I actually liked. Uh, 20 minutes after this match, you've got Triple H in a suit and tie looking like he just got out of a fucking day spa <laughs> with Ronda Rousey, Stephanie. Uh, I, great segment. But that's totally saying, oh, my match with Sting was so inconsequential that uh, I'm here now. He's in another angle 20 minutes later. Sting's probably huffing on an oxygen tank. <laughs> saying, Someone so, take so why? Why? What do you think? Is Sting coming back? Is Sting going to be in the next WrestleMania? Why would they do something? Uh... I, I do, and, well, here's the fourth way they buried him. 
the next Monday night on Raw. Raw's a goddamn three-hour show. You can't give Sting fucking five minutes, cut out one of those shitty diva segments or, uh, I don't know, uh, Mexican History Month tributes. I mean, you got Tito Santana running around in a fucking sombrero uh, from Juarez, Mexico. He's probably from fucking a bellflower down the road. <laughs> Tito Santana. He's a good man. He's Great good man. man. He's a good man. But my point, <laughs> and we're going to stop talking about Sting and, and get into some other things, is then they put Sting on after Monday Night Raw is over on the WWE Network, which nobody's fucking watching. I'm sorry, Vince. Sorry, baby. It's just... <sighs> and you put him in a, a, a three-minute, I don't want to say sketch, but uh, segment with Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, uh, everyone listening to this sounds like owls right now going, who, who, <laughs> who, who's Bo Dallas? Exactly. I, so is it's that like, Western singer? Yeah, I, I mean, why not get Iron Mike Sharp from Winnipeg to fly down? <laughs> Iron Mike Sharp, oh, he was a good guy. We'd all be going, we, he'd be skipping, he'd get there early and he'd get all his, uh, all his stuff on and his trunks on and. He got lotioned up his skin and started like doing like squats and push-ups, getting ready for the match. And then, you know, boom, he'd have his match on like third or fourth and Iron Mike would get out. Boom, he got that brace on one arm and he'd go back where his skipping rope is and he'd start skipping again. And we'd come, get wrestle, we'd shower, we'd be finished, we'd be leaving, there'd be more, he'd be skipping uh, Iron Mike. Uh, he was good guy. He skipped a lot. Um, different, different guy, but a good guy. So yeah. So you know, uh, that's pretty much the sting, all the sting talk. It, it's just like you totally ruined the guy's character. I mean, at least put him in a segment, maybe setting up. Put him something like I told you last week on your podcast, Piper's Pit on podcast one. Say, don't you. fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> You know, gee, I'm uh, I'm a little cold. I wish I had a Rowdy Roddy Piper signature T-shirt on right now. <laughs> yeah. I know how to work. I know I'm a mark. I know what time it is. Uh, least, you know, I I thought maybe have uh, Randy Orton come in with the Legend Killer shtick, mm -hmm. and then you could say have Sting say, uh, "Well, you never beat me." So why do you think that they had Triple H go against Sting and not somebody like Randy? Well, I'm assuming Paul. <clears throat> sorry, I don't mean to get too real here, Mr. Levesque. Gee, what a shock! He was uh, involved in the, the Bret Hart screw job too. Hmm. I'm sensing a pattern here. If I could find a way to fucking get him in on the 9/11 shtick, I would too. <laughs> No. But anyway, was that the WWE corporate jet that was in Tower Two? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a hologram. Tell me about it. Uh, you know how many guys who worked for Paul? I wish he was on that flight, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know either. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, every you know, even he must know that. Okay, this is the last guy we can bring in. That you know is is. I mean, there was mainstream media covering Sting. Uh, I see. Bottom line, this is what you're saying. And I think that in 2020 is always hindsight, of course. You know, uh, to sit down and, and figure all this stuff out is incredibly difficult, especially if you the egos and uh, the different, all the different channels and divisions or levels of people that this has sifted through and trying to get a, a proper source of communication with just one person that understands the business. Uh, but I think what everybody's saying is, hey, um, 
He was he was Geronimo. He was the last guy hold out. Should have brought him in, you know, and his war bonnet and the whole thing, and a bunch of cowboys should have died. Nah, uh, you know, uh, and at the end, I don't know, you know, maybe let Geronimo right away into the hills top, you know, and, and just as he was going to go over the hill, Triple H can shoot him in the back with a Winchester and he fall off his horse and away you go. As a heel, you always just want to need the last shot. <laughs> and then, you know, you got to regroup it. But I agree. I agree with that. I agree that, uh, in the, you know, I would have taken Sting. I would have put him, boom, feathered him up, flocked him up, had him down there looking like the guy that he has become. He's put in the years and the time, and he's done a couple other things that I respect him for as a man. It's just not my place to bring up. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, but uh, and so he's earned it. Uh, and what you do is, if the company was doing that, then I don't think that that's helping the company. I don't think that's helping anybody. The wrestling fan is disappointed, and when the wrestling fan is disappointed, they look at the product, they look at the people that were in it, and each little time you scratch it, you know, gets a little deeper. So um, I don't think that it was the best thing they could have done for the WWE brand in the universe, no. You know, come on, give it to the guy. Put I mean, on a big white horse. Don't be stupid. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> you know, to me, and, uh, you know, I know I probably approach the wrestling business as just a fan, and then there's the business side of it, which I don't like to think of it as a business. I like to think, I still like to think it's real. Uh, not uh, like the, no. the characters, the characters. Um, so I thought, you know, why not? I, I understand Triple H, you want to look better than the WCW guy, but just give him one moment and then beat him at SummerSlam. Uh, beat yeah. him at another pay-per-view. You know, get the your... Idea the the sledgehammer and the... Um, that's all. Uh, that's Lois' cell phone ringing. The queen. <laughs> that's all. Listen, you want to take the call right now? You can take you know the what? call. Do you want to uh, take the call? Just keep on rolling, yeah. Okay, so uh, we got to... I don't know who it is. Okay. Okay, um... I've only let one other man take a cell phone call on this podcast, and you might know this man, you might not, the legendary UFC fighter, Don Fry. Oh, it's my good friend of mine. He's who a uh, was a, great guy. one of the first guests on Inappropriate Earl. Really? He was he, the only celebrity I knew, to be honest. With you. Sorry, Don. <laughs> my he's bad. He's a great guy and a great, great martial artist. Oh, he, one of the, uh, he was in, uh, the, I think, the first uh, couple of UFCs where guys were literally walking to the octagon with hoodies from their closet. <laughs> Like there was no sponsors back then. It was just guys who like to fight. Oh yeah, yeah. He's right in there, guy. So uh, yeah. I love you, Don Fry. Yeah, me and, too. Um, but so yeah, get just wrapping the sting thing up. Absolutely. It is you know put him put him on the white horse. Come let him come in and you know in the eagle feathers swath the valley because then you're giving your fan that's coming there is obviously a WWE fan, and you're giving the reason they come in is to see Sting. Give give them Sting, cheating them out of uh, the grand production that they're capable of just doesn't make any sense uh, in hindsight, in hindsight. And as far as like the, the, the run-ins, uh, if you want to call it, uh, and, and the, I'm not a big, uh, big uh, proponent of like the sledgehammer and the bat, and I um, don't choose that as a way to... to you didn't need Dude. weapons. I just don't see a you know a twelve pound. Sl- I don't want to you know. Um, well, I did like the Shawn Michaels super kick to Sting because I think absolutely. I absolutely. 
like last week I told you to my knowledge and I'm sure your fans will get on me if I'm wrong Jesus Christ yeah, good fans. you think I was Lee Harvey Oswald uh, getting one fans. Uh, to my knowledge that was the first time Sting Triple H and Shawn Michaels had been in the ring together so that was kind of oh that's kind of the what the fuck moment see there's there's good that's a great moment right there and, and I'm sure the fans I hope the fans appreciate it as much as you, as much as you do well, I mean, listen, uh, I, I'm just always curious to have someone of your caliber to talk to, you know, about booking. And because it's, I think, booking and, and how certain uh, slots are uh, made for wrestlers, uh, you know, fans don't know that. You know, it's, it's yeah. like um, the only other angle that's ever really bothered me uh, is like, why is when, uh, you know, Warrior came to, and you were, you were there, uh, came to WCW. Yeah. For his rematch with Hogan. And I thought, wow, this is a great storyline. The Only the second guy to cleanly pin Hogan. I think the first guy sitting about six <laughs> feet to my left. Thank you very much. Sorry, Terry Balea. Choked him out. Um, but okay, that's a cool story. A rematch. And it was clear Warrior was just brought in to basically job to Hogan. And it's like, what? To me, the better angle would have been you have Warrior beat him again. And then you just have Hogan chasing him, and you could drag this out for six pay-per-views. But, but sometimes, though, with respect to also the creative, their their end, which, you know, I'm not on that end. But um, <clears throat> when you have, you're taking a chance. If you've got a guy that you fired and, and parted, or what, you know what, I don't know how, I, I'm wrong there. Whether you got something happened where they they had a party in other ways, WWEFG and uh, Warrior. So when you bring a like that guy like that back, and one if you put the strap on him, how are you going to get it off him? Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so there's a trust issue. Uh, you know. And two, maybe it's it's not worth it. You know, we'll make one big cash and get out. Yeah, that's not worth the maintenance. Because you don't, uh, I think what you uh, might be referencing, uh, like a situation that happened when Medusa had the uh, WWE, it might have been WWF at the at that moment, the women's title, uh, and she showed up on Nitro and dropped it in the trash. Garbage, yeah. Yeah, and, now uh, she just got put in the Hall of Fame. I just watched it. Well, I, I will say. You know, it shows you can't do much wrong in our business. <laughs> I, can I be honest with you? And, yeah. and this is kind of an area I want to get into. Uh, and and uh, and if you want me to cut this out, uh, I will. Okay. It, because I respect you so much. You know, uh, I have been doing stand-up for about 15 years. And I would say that I've known or lost 10 friends of mine uh, to uh, various uh, ways. And uh, I know you've lost a lot of friends, uh, probably too many to count. And when uh, Medusa was giving her speech and mentioned Rick Rude's name, I started crying because it was like, uh, wow, it's like, you know, and I was watching a match the other night between, uh, I think it was Big Boss Man, Rick Rude, and someone else and realized that the only person still alive was the referee. And uh, yeah. like, how do you, do you, when you look back and see clips of, of some of your friends who you've lost in the business, do you just, how do you, I mean, you've lost so many friends. Does like, do you just try and remember the good times or? Oh, man. Um, 
it's a uh, guys look at that two different ways. Um, uh, I know one of one of my brothers came up to me, um, and somebody had just passed away, and um, I don't go to funerals anymore. Adrian Adonis was the last funeral right. I went to, and I did the eulogy. <laughs> he uh, that uh, guys in my group uh, were saying, "Hey, you know, if they're dying, they're dying." They, you know, they had to let it go because it's right. taking them with them. Um, uh, I was in the Marriott in Miami on the eighth story. And there's a guy named, uh, yeah, I love him, Kerry Von Eric. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a great guy, man. Well, we laughed a lot. And uh, we played a lot. He's, uh, he was a go-getter. And um, dumbass went uh, on his motorcycle to get some. And got in an accident. He was just driving with flip flops on, and he lost his left leg, excuse me, his right leg from uh, under the knee down. And um, so when he came into uh, New York, he came as a Texas tornado and had these um, white boots on there, tall that went right, right up under the knee and frilly things. And he was still so good through jaw clicks and everything. Like, no, but like in the shower, he. Uh, um, we just like go in the shower with his boots on and stuff. And uh, uh, I wrestled uh, in sportatorium uh, oh. for sure. I was sixteen because they were in high school too. <laughs> so we got along fine back then. Uh, and uh, my job back then was not only to be first match on the card, but for Fritz von Eric, um, I had to date the fire marshal's daughter. That way, fire marshal would let more people in than the fire cult. <laughs> and, and by dating, do you mean uh, <clears throat> it's something with an ing ending? Saying hello, you know. Well, uh, yes, sir. I'm 16. I'm so scared. <laughs> um, where am I? Miami, um, Miami, Marriott, and and um, so when we come in uh, to the room, uh, you know what we do is we open the door and we put like the chain lock or the hard bolt, we leave it on so the door doesn't close because when we're laying on the bed or the room service and it comes, we're too lazy to get up and get it. I just bring it on in here. A lot of hotels, you know. And we've done that to the door. And uh, and he didn't mind sharing a room with me and taking his leg off, right. you know, his foot off. It didn't bother him. It didn't bother me. Uh, this one time, I don't know how to, um, I really don't know. But um, we went outside on the ledge of the hotel. And uh, and the window was like you pushed it out from the bottom window. It was hard to get out there. And uh, <clears throat> and then the wind slammed the window shut. And I remember the the uh, wind being really hard. And you had, it was about maybe, I don't know, 10 feet, uh, 10 inches, the ledge, 10, 12 inches. And you had to push hard to keep you back so it wouldn't blow you off the building. I, I'm not sure how long we were there for. Um, you just trying to we remember. Were just, we were just talking, and um, Big Boss Man and Mister Perfect come down to bowl, get a beer or whatever, and of course came in and saw us. What the hell are you doing? And da da da, da and, you know, got us both in. And are all those guys? I'm the only one alive. Yeah, no, that's like that's a great story. It's, 
So you just try and remember them, you know, in the fun times. And Yeah, Adrian, I'm, I was driving down the road with it. I was his tag partner when we were 22 years old. Called us the 22s right here in or the Olympic. And uh, he was an orphan. And he, he really thought I was his brother. And I didn't understand it until after he passed. But I did the eulogy in his funeral. And um, one time we were riding down the road, 80. He's a tough guy, man. He'd train. He'd train so hard. But he just had one of them pear bodies. Yeah. And he'd, he'd eat tuna fish. How do I look, Pipes? He had a, a stretch marks on his chest. Look like the upper, upper New York State roadmap. And he, uh, um, and he loved me. Uh, and one time he said in the car, he said, man, when I die, I don't want people bawling and crying, you know, throw me a party, uh, you know, and boom, he's dead. And his wife, we said, I used to say, that's when I guess, you know, I said, tell him I love him, you know, he tell me he loves me. And his wife later on, I found out, how are you guys doing? You know, so you guys banging each other with this, you know, I love you, I love you. So I did the eulogy and during, during the eulogy, when, um, and all respects to the family, of course. Of course. Uh, it was a closed casket and uh, the uh, family were behind the drapes. And um, I said, uh, hey, you know, he said, um, uh, throw me a party, you know. And uh, and this sound came out of his wife of um, pain that I couldn't imitate at all. I wouldn't. Um, the sound of true pain. Right. Um, and, uh, I guess, um, the question was, how do you feel about them when they go away? You know, and so many times he saved my life. He did this for me. Ah, well, Adrian, um, <laughs> we're in Poughkeepsie and in Poughkeepsie one day, you do like three weeks of television, you know, like five o'clock in the afternoon. All the toilets are flooded. It shits all up and down the wall. Earthquake, mountain mic, da da da, duck boat. Oh my you know, god! Oh, mother dear, baby Jesus. Did just, they have special toilets, man? Uh, no, no. Oh if you, had to, uh, you just did what you could do, and uh, <laughs> I, I, in the afternoon we did I don't know hundreds of promos, hundreds. And I'm having a tough day. And I remember because we're on the floor where the fans would be, and that, there's a stage in Poughkeepsie. And we, I was leaning against the stage, and I was having a fan of rage or whatever. And he, AD comes up to me and goes, Pipe, pipe, damn it. He says, you know what's wrong with you? He says, you need to buy a house. You never had a home. You need to go find yourself a home, buy a house. And he was right, and I went and bought one. And I had already my second child by that time. So, like, he did that for me. I wouldn't have known what to do if uh, Adrian uh, Keith hadn't said, "Hey, hey, you goof, go buy a house." I was lost. I bought a house, and all of a sudden, everything fell in order. How do you repay that? Right. What do you say? What do you say to Carrie, or what do you say to somebody? You know, the reporters and people will say, "Um, I was also in the steroid trial, biggest steroid trial, ever. and I, I'm the littlest guy on the roster." There's a whole bunch of stuff that happened during there. I could tell you sometime, but oh yeah, for um, sure. You know, it's like, uh, um, you know, when they, these people that come and the wrestlers did this, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, you talk about Kerry Von Erich that way, um, the criticism, but um, all the miles, 
Carrie did in um, Big Boss Man and uh, and Mr. Perfect. Yeah. All the heart. And, you know, sometimes people, like I've had people, you know, they, uh, you know, if they didn't save their money, ah, you know, it's their fault. That it, yeah, whatever. I understand. I understand you. I respect everybody. Um, my shirts all work pretty hard. Oh no! I, no, I didn't mean to make you sad. I just I'm not uh, sad. no. I I, I'm sad. I just, just it's... Uh, letting you know. You were asking me like, what kind of connection? Pretty strong. Because I think uh, comedy and wrestling are actually very similar uh, in the mental uh, toll and and the stress and the... it takes a huge mental toll. And I mean, I'm just glad uh, uh, comics don't have to work out as much as you guys do. <laughs> I, mean, I think it takes. I think that's a, quite astute because. I think it takes a much heavier mental toll that wrestlers have that hasn't really been identified by them. Right. Um, yeah. There's a, there's some. Well, I got the honor of coming to the comedy store. You know, mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel, Sal, like I was going to do this one-man show on Broadway. I'm still going to do it. But they said, well, put him in a comedy show. Get him some stage time. Like this comedy store, which is like the... The best place. Every great comic comes out of there, and that's where Earl comes out, and that's why he's great. And it's like it's, the Stu Hart uh, of oh, comedy. Uh, Hell's Angels, my Hell's Angels frat club of comedy. Yes, <laughs> and I love it, you know. And but uh, like stage time, baby Jesus, I've had some stage. All right, what do you want me to just get up there and say something? And like all the comedians, uh, all the pros, they were so kind to me. And they all, the people, that they thought I sucked and I did. I still did. No, but no. Uh, all the comedians were like, come on. I guess they gathered. You know, they uh, you got to know the secret whistle or something. All against the wall. And they'd clap for me and they'd howl. And like, <laughs> you babied me through it. And oh, I fell in love with them. Yeah, and but I, you put up with our dumb questions, which <laughs> yeah. I think were led by me asking you, uh, who took bigger shits, Mark Henry or Hakeem? And who was blacker, Mark Henry or Hakeem? It's crazy. Brutal. Yeah. And they're, see, they're coming the comedians. They, they're not afraid to go there. But and you guys got in common. are literally larger than life to us. <laughs> like when you and Sergeant Slaughter uh came to the club and it's like jesus christ it's it's sergeant slaughter i i i hated him when he turned iraqi sympathizer (laughs) and uh you know when you brought hacksaw hell of a man and i walked up to hacksaw jim duggan who's like uh one of my favorites and say hey when you orgasm do you go hell i'm like jesus christ am i crazy asking this grown guy who's got his wife and four kids right (laughs) so it was a and still is a true uh honor and and, thank you um i know that you have to get going in about five or so minutes are we good Uh, okay cool i know uh i'm here bud what did you, uh, just to get a lighter tone, uh, did you enjoy being a heel or a face better? Oh, I'm a born heel. Okay. I hate being a baby face. I'm well, not a baby face. I'm a be, born heel. Because it was forced. when you, Well, you're so nice in person, but, uh, well, I mean, listen, I, you're nice to me, which is all I judge you on. I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm like literally a born heel. Right, which I I'll, I don't like it when they try and make a heel uh, a, a good guy. Like uh, I think they kind of tried to do it with Brock Lesnar, and it's like I, I, he's nowhere in your league as a heel, but he's a pretty good heel oh, just because of his massive size. Yep. I, I don't like it when he's the the humble uh, face. Come on, man, you, be a bad guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand that because uh, sometimes I disappoint people. 
Oh, you you no, never disappoint. When they come, they want they expect that, and you know, put a couple bucks down there on the table and uh, or, you know steal my wallet. And but um, you almost you know what's interesting? This you almost disappoint them, and then you kind of get hurt. Right. Like oh, I'm sorry, I let you down. It's 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 weird. Wrestlers maybe with I don't know what the comedians do, but wrestlers like you're on the te- television back in the day, right in their face, like right in there. You almost got in their living room. And there's a little more intimacy to the relationship with maybe comedians and wrestlers and their fans. Right. It's a little, I don't know, a little closer walk with Lee or something. That Because uh, well, we want to, like, I want to believe that you're from Scotland. I, wanna, I am. Well, you have Scottish descent, but technically, I mean, in a technical sense, you yeah. were born in Canada. You know, because we they needed a uh, uh, a way to civilize the earth and uh, find out who's where in the earth. And so I was born on a place in the earth called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is like the coldest, coldest place on earth, 100 below with the wind chill. Not one day, for months. Uh, and then, like, when I was four, I caught my arm in a washing machine. Right then, like, when I was four or five, they took me to an Indian reservation called The Paw, T-H-E-P-A-S. To this day, still one of the toughest Indian, up by the Northwest Territories. And um, then uh, a bunch of other towns, a bunch of other places. So, like, I don't have a home home. Right. I don't have a place I'm from, but if they want to say I, I'm, you know, then, but am I of Scottish descent? Came fifth in the world. I was over there. Came fifth in the world playing the bagpipes. How's that? <laughs> it's good enough for me. No, no. It's a mix. It's a mixing of question, though, for the fans. Well, I mean, as as a kid, uh, you know, I wanted to, and I've said this a few times. I don't like to repeat too much, but uh, I really wanted to believe that Kamala was some savage animal from Uganda. If, if you've heard the, and you turned me on to it, actually, this latest song, I think he is a savage. By the way, uh, you check out. Kamala is a rising uh, song on YouTube by Music Charts called Push It. <laughs> I'll let you interpret what that means. He, I think he did a great job. No, but, you know, so when I met him once backstage at the Olympic Auditorium, uh, he was talking to Kim Chi, who uh, I think you said, and uh, looking back now, it was Harvey Whippleman. They motioned for me to come over to them, and I was like, staring at them i mean because kamala was wearing an outfit like you are right now like khaki pants and a, a collared shirt and he looks at me and said what's your name son i'm like what are you doing speaking english <laughs> and harvey whippleman he might have said his real name which i don't know if it's harvey whippleman probably not uh i'm like what the hell who the hell are you and he's like i'm kimchi i'm like no you're not and i'm like oh this yeah. is not what, it, you know, I wanted to believe that Hakeem was really some jive-talking soul brother and uh, <laughs> that uh, vignette they did with him in the streets of New York. Was, Jesus, that might have been the most racist angle I've ever seen in my life. But was there ever an angle that you and the boys in the back, whether it be, I mean, you were always portrayed, I thought, in a respectful way, but... Was there ever an angle, if you don't want to mention names or the angle, where you and the guys were, ooh, this is too much? No. 
Oof, a couple times. Would you oh, just yeah. want to leave it at that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. no worries. Because, you, you know, you get rolling on something, and and that's, that's one thing. I just have a big argument for a game here. You know, I want thing. I'm used to if I see somebody says, "Let like let's do a podcast." Okay, turn it on. You're gonna let's go there. Let's okay, let's go. As opposed to keep talking about it, talking about right. it. Right. Um, forget what I was talking about. Well, I would just uh, you know I I mean some of my favorite. I I almost feel bad for liking some of these angles, but you know when uh, Adrian, oh when you know you got too far when Adrian Adonis played a. Uh, Let's just say an effeminate character. <laughs> He's the mini pearl. Which I think you had. Uh, yeah, the flower shop. The flower shop and Piper's Pit were kind of battling. Uh, and, uh, you know. I, you uh, know. Yeah, he was great. He looked easty. He was the ugliest girl. <laughs> great tits. <laughs> Holy cow. And he had that mini pearl hat with a still had the tag on the hat. Oh, baby Jesus. I remember busting it up with a baseball bat and ended up breaking the bat. And it, when I broke the bat, I know I was in the moment, but I even thought to myself, you know, Rod, you know, you're pushing this a little far. <laughs> you know, but uh, I think that's my point is uh, things that have gone too far. You really don't know that you've gone too far till you're already there. There's a thing called white heat. You don't want white heat. And what's white heat? Uh, white heat is uh, too far. White heat is the way you get, uh, people get hurt. Uh, you get a cause a riot. Red heat's fine, but you get into the white heat situation, and like uh, that's a that's a d- deadly, destroying. Oof. Like when Sergeant Slaughter was, I I think he said when he became the Iraqi sympathizer, he was getting death threats. Yeah, yeah that's borderline. There, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you like, if Sarge, oof, Sarge at that time went in the middle of the ring and burned the American flag. That's white heat. That's uh, double white heat, I think. You know, I mean, you're working with a professional here. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, right. it's like where, boy, you got everybody's attention, but for all the wrong reasons. Well, it's like that, uh, and once again, I'm so scared of your fans now. Uh, I'm, I might. Good fans. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper fans be getting this WrestleMania wrong, so don't jump on me on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was WrestleMania 18 when uh, the WWE had a kind of a, almost a, an Al-Qaeda-like heel. I, I want to say his name was Muhammad Hassan. I might be wrong on that. And he had this great manager, Davari, who uh, was a yeah. great uh, short-term. Uh, I thought he would have had a better uh, career arc. Uh, they had him uh, a great kid. has a uh, kind of a, an Al-Qaeda type figure that was a little much, I thought. I'm like, well, this is too much. <laughs> I mean, I even thought Eugene, uh, Eric Bischoff's retarded cousin angle was, all right, this is uh, bordering on... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's a little nutty here. Yeah, white. Right, yeah. You the, know, there was a Eugene. Yeah. I, no, I'm not sure if I would hope not. There's a There was a young lad uh, challenged, a physical uh, challenge, I'll just put it that way, and his name was Eugene. And I just, when you said that, I've never heard it until right now. 
Well, he uh, basically, uh, Jesus Christ, please, Piper fans, don't jump on daddy here. I'm just, I'm a fan, you idiots. Yeah, maybe I ought to back right off. Uh, And I, I, you know, I'm 6'2", 205. Think of me as the comedy version of Rick Rude, you, you, (laughs) you sweat hogs. No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I think they had him playing a, 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 you know, special needs uh, Eric Bischoff. I don't know if Bischoff was behind this. It sounds like a Ben Uh, Russo character. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, now to wrap up this podcast, and I could talk to you for hours. I, I, I hope you come back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, I mean it's a, uh, it's I, I can't even really put it into words to have uh, literally a legend on my couch. I mean, uh, yeah, I want I mean, you let me in your your frat house. Yeah, but yeah. you're uh, uh, there's no superlative, uh, and people are gonna probably think I'm kissing your ass here. It's just uh, this is like a someone who's an acting fan having Robert De Niro on their couch. It's like you know, I'm just trying not to be disrespectful by talking about uh, you know Mark Henry shits in front of you. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to to wrap up the podcast. I'm gonna mention a name. Okay. Maybe we'll say one sentence, two sentence. Okay. Uh, if you don't want to talk about what I, I they're just going to come to my head. Sure. And then uh, we'll plug some things. And uh, Buff Bagwell, get your mind out of the gutter, please. <laughs> um, get you at uh, your prostitution ranch in uh, <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> By the way, for those of you, I'll plug Buff Bagwell's uh, thing here right now. It's a uh, $2,500 to sleep with him for the night, uh, 5000 for the week. Uh, I've uh, just added an additional. $5,000? Yeah, yeah. So I want to pay him 20000 to stay away from any wrestling ring. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to. Uh, uh the signature t-shirts uh i just bought all four you, you, they Thank take you. paypal you know buy this man's stuff you know you guys Thank sit you. there all you wrestling fans say you're a big fucking fan you love him you, you love him help support his kids college fund thank you and he's not asking me to do this you know go uh, and listen to inappropriate earl rated on itunes i have nothing for sale uh, to be honest with you so I, I i can't even make money off you guys yet but uh you know the they live i just bought a they live mass 79 dollars autographed uh, you know just just he doesn't need it, but it's a show of respect for this man giving his body, heart, and mind 35 years in the business so you guys could wear a Hot Rod t-shirt and say, hey, beat up the Brooklyn Brawler for the 100th fucking time. <laughs> the Brooklyn Brawler. Brooklyn Brawler, that's the first name. Uh, good kid. Uh, paid his house off. Did what he had to do, good kid. Perfect. Dr. D. David Schultz. Ah, uh, bully. Uh, just a bully. Okay, well, uh, I think that sums it up. Uh, James Helwig, warrior. Uh, he was always respectful to me. Uh, I never had a problem with him, nor his interviews. Uh, well, gee, if you could understand him, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> you know his interviews were for little kids. Right. Um, so, therefore, they, you can hard to do any wrong. 
Willis, in his interview uh, where he's talking about tear down the cockpit doors, uh, dispose of the pilots, he was on to 9-11 before anybody, and that was about 92. So listen, you could sit there and say his promos didn't make sense. That one did, so Rumsfeld and Bush. Nostradamus shit going on. I mean, really, that's 92, I think, maybe even earlier. Uh, That was uh, earlier, in the 80s. He he was on before bin Laden was even on the radar. <laughs> One man gang slash Hakeem. Uh decent guy. Um decent guy. Okay. Earthquake, John Tenta. Real good man. Huge heart. And he I believe is the only uh like white or whatever you call it, uh sumo guy that's never been defeated. Oh wow. He was a big time sumo wrestler. And I don't know how like Caucasian uh, yeah. Non, uh, I guess, non- uh, Asia, Asian. Polynesian, I guess. Uh, yeah, like I'm not sure how you do that. But I'm in any not. case, he was in the sumo, uh, huge, couldn't move the guy. And he asked me to actually manage him. Oh, really? For for real, like, yeah, I thought I was, you know, well, I'm headed to the ring. <laughs> Andre the Giant. Oh, man. What a great man. That's all that needs to be said there. Jimmy, Superfly Snooker. Fire dancer and a, and a cliff diver. And uh, beautiful spirit. Now, I know I'm breaking my own rule here in terms of uh, just one sentence on each person. Do you think uh, that Piper's Pit with the coconut and stuffing the bananas in his mouth, did that put you over the top as the heel? I think that Frankie Williams got me recognized and Jimmy Schnooker put me over the top. And for the you younger fans, uh, Frankie Williams was, and I don't want to be disrespectful to him, would you say he was a, a, a jobber? Uh, Carpenter. Uh, right, which is... Uh, Mid-card, uh, loses all the time on TV, just does it part-time. He's going against guys who are doing it regular. And, you know, he's out there, he loves it, but not good enough really to make enough money right you know this look was uh he's a little chubby a little he looked like someone see on the biggest losers episode two (laughs) a lot of freckles for a puerto rican gentleman i mean how many podcasts do you get a frankie williams breakdown (laughs) (laughs) no shit no wonder my numbers are low (laughs) a couple more names and i'll uh let you go uh bad news brown bad news brown um a little bit of chip on his shoulder um, a tough guy. Wasn't he a legit judo? Uh, yeah, I think he was an Olympic? Olympian. Olympian. He was in the Olympics in judo. Not sure how he did, but you got to do pretty good just to get there. And uh, I think that he misread me, okay. and I took him in a shower one time and spoke right straight at him, heart to heart. Um, like there's. <laughs> Yeah, he cool. thing. Yeah, yeah, we straightened it out. Oh, great, great. Um, Stu Hart, he Stu Hart is what it took to get the business where it is today. Right. Yeah, he's a uh, oh, different breed of man. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah, and uh, you know, I want to. You have to kill him to stop him. Like when, and I, I'm breaking my own rule here, and I know uh, we got to get, get things going, but like when you see a, a WWE show like Tough Enough, which is uh, 
basically the reality show to see who wants to be a WWE wrestler. Uh, do you think anyone who goes on that show could last a day with Stu Hart? <laughs> That's tough enough. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay, no problem. Uh, Big John Stud. I loved Big John. Um, he was he was a gentle gentle man that worked really really hard he's a big boy and he's my friend and i know we already talked about this person but uh, he's such a legend to me the golden boy adrian adonis uh adrian adonis uh um is one of the reasons that i'm have the honor of sitting here right now as he helped me in life mm -hmm. like for real I got a couple of names that may uh, get your blood pressure going a little bit, but I don't want. I get accused of being an ass kisser on this thing. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Vince Russo. Uh, Vince Russo. Um, I've I've talked it out with Vince Russo, but uh, I wasn't a Vince Russo fan. Few were. Um, <laughs> I uh, was opposed to. I, um, too little, too much power, and too little knowledge uh, of the basics. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, the guy did something. He had some kind of success. Uh, but uh, no, no, thank you. No, I think that's the best way to describe him. He did something. I'm not sure what, but it yeah, was something. He did something, and he slipped in that attitude era where it was like tits and ass and. You know what they call crash TV, which is called hot shotting. But you know, and you can hot shot something. But if you hot shot something, you need to have right under, like Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe, right underneath it coming up. Uh, and then all those people that when you hot shot it for, they see Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe to go to it, and you bring them back in a title match. Then all those people will stay. If you hot shot and don't do that, all those people will not come back the next time. Right. So that's the flaw I see in him. All right. And now I'm going to throw a couple more names. And then you will be leaving the West Hollywood domicile of Earl Skakel. That can be said. The legendary. A couple managers. Uh, Colonel De Beers. Oh, <laughs> Colonel De Beers. The Musta. Oh, yeah. Uh, Easy Ed Wyskowski. He, uh, good man. Solid. I uh, just wanted to get in there, have some fun. Um, he was good enough, big shoulders. I think he was a football player. Good man. Good man. Okay. Uh, and now I'm a little older than your average wrestling fan, the Grand Wizard. The Grand Wizard. I didn't have a lot to do okay. with the Grand Wizard. Um, it was a different click. Than my oh, okay, no worries. That's perfect. Uh, now, I had heard this man had once stuffed your bagpipes with toilet paper so they oh. would not play properly. Kind of a rib. Oof. The the I don't think I even need to say his name to you, but I must for my younger fans. Classy Freddie Blassie, <laughs> yeah, classy Freddie Blassie. Um, he was, uh, you know, Freddie. You know, here's where the you, you got guys that Freddie Blassie, when he walked around town, he was dressed immaculate. His hair was in all the right places. He had a suntan. He's the only guy I ever saw when he suntanned. He actually spread his fingers. So they were tanned also, uh, that extreme. But, you know, back in uh, the southern states and stuff in Freddie's time, uh, he draw a lot of money, and he got a lot of attention, and he worked hard at it. He competed with some of the biggest 
Buddy Rogers and Gorgeous George. Uh, Buddy Rogers was a bad man. And, and Freddie Blassie had a little Buddy Rogers in him, as did everybody in that. And this is an example of uh, when I came in, I, I, you probably heard the story, so I'll just cut to the quick, is uh, when I came into Madison Square Park Garden the first time, they told me to the, my face they didn't want me here. And by the night, time the night was over, they had sabotaged me enough where uh, they had taken me a prime case of uh, let's take the kindergarten kid to school. And uh, I came out there with my bagpipes, and you know, they shoved paper in my bagpipes so it wouldn't work. And uh, I, like I came in a limousine and literally said, don't call us, we'll call you, and uh, mm -hmm. left in a cab. And I fell, you know, uh, in front of everybody. This guy, 19 years old, going to the garden with his and So they were really happy to hear that I fell down so hard. Uh, I never said a word. I never said a word to anybody. Because if you did, it would have been just repercussions backstage. Um, more the, just to be a man about it. Uh, you know, you kind of judge sometimes on some of your moments. And, uh, you know, I, it's like lesson learned. And it, it really hurt. It not... It hurt me a lot uh, emotionally, uh, but more than that, I had worked so hard to get where I was, and it brought me back um, economically. Right. Uh, people laughing, you know, whatever he's doing, and th that was a stage in my life where um, if you pulled a gun, <laughs> I just keep coming. Right, right. Yeah, well, nah, not afraid of anything, uh, to a fault. Going to need a gun to stop you even today. <laughs> I don't know, but it's to a fault. Where they, they, that's This is a subject, and I won't talk about it, but that's really never really addressed. Uh, it's that underbelly that people don't talk about. Uh, right. you know. No, no, we wanna, well, I got four more names for you, and uh, I want to... Uh, they may cause different degrees of emotions. Right, then, well, no, I try to be respectful. Thank you. Uh, the one, the only, uh, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Mr. Perfect. Uh, it's his dad, his first one to knock me out. <laughs> Larry Hennig, right? Larry the axe handing baby Jesus. Uh, Mr. Perfect uh, oh, was a total surprise. He was, uh, he was a great athlete. He could do anything. He's always joking around, always had a smile, and always up to no good. And like uh, to steal, take someone away, I mean, not even in the prime of his, of his, of the talent as far right. as he could have got. His his talent pool hadn't even been tapped into yet, and uh, to lose him so at that point, that was a rough one on everybody. Uh, but I think if I just had to sum it up, I'd say he's perfect. Oh, absolutely. This amazing man. Yeah. All right. Now, the final three names. <laughs> do, the one, the only. Do, do. Mr. Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> uh, well, it's called the gorilla position for a reason. <laughs> and uh, probably half those guys don't even know why. I don't know if we <laughs> want to know why. <laughs> Uh, the gorilla position, man. Uh, when um, Muhammad Ali uh, was uh, getting prepped to fight Antonio Inoki, uh, they put uh, Gorilla Monsoon in there to uh, just make sure that nothing happened. Gorilla Monsoon was, you know, 
he was um, a policeman, right. big, strong, knew what he was doing in there. And so they needed, but you know, like almost everybody in the building did. Right. <laughs> so you need something kind of, and so finally though, uh, the right where you, just before you, like the lineup, you're about to go on who's on deck. That's called the gorilla position because he's the only guy you go, get that fucking that piper here now, damn it. I yeah. want him now. You know, and he would make sure because when you get to the gorilla position, you better have it together because, you know, if you didn't load your gun, it's too late. Uh, so that's a position that a lot of guys, probably still today, Kind of, they're supposed to be there, and they kind of do a Passover, kind of check it out. It's very, you know, high pressure, but as high pressure as you want to get. You're surrounded with monitors and di different people doing their function. It's very cold. Um, it's just all of a sudden there's a shoot, and then there's like, you know, 24,000 people on the other end of the wall, you know, and you see this big raw sign, right? Man, you should see what it looks like back there. I'll tell you, they, they don't have luxurious seats like you. Uh, he uh, lost his son, Joey Morella. And um, you know what? Never mentioned a word of it. Right. And was always at the gorilla, uh, gorilla position. He's, uh, he's in that league of extraordinary gentlemen. I don't know how you're that good, that tough, uh, you're that smart. Uh, he's like, he's all those wonderful things. All right. And the final two names, maybe two men who are uh, polarizing, influential to you. Uh, I don't know even who to say first, but uh, I think I should leave uh, uh, the second name last. Uh, so I'll say this man's name first. Uh, you and he basically started WrestleMania. The rock and roll MTV connection was never going to happen as big as it was without you and this man, uh, Terry Bollea, otherwise known as Hulk Hogan. Uh, um, oh, uh, sum it up. Let me see. I know it's hard in one sentence, two sentence. Uh, just okay. Strictly business, <clears throat> if I had to sell out Madison Square Garden, I'd pray to God and I'd say, hey, God, I need somebody about, I don't know, 6'5", uh, put a bunch of muscles on them and, uh, yeah, tan them. Uh, maybe, I don't know, yellow hair, make them stand out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'll take it from there. Oh, have them take vitamins and say prayers. That's what I would have got. Yeah. People talk about the, his limitations as a professional wrestler. Uh, Not any worse than his acting. <laughs> it's better. I, I like to say that when he's here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. We were all, there was Nash, uh, uh, Hall, no, no, Nash, uh, Hall, um, uh, <laughs> Flair, Hogan, myself. We were kind of over in the, uh, I don't know, in a waiting area. We all kind of accumulated, and there's uh, they had a bunch of these words on papers, and people were looking at the formats. And Hogan started <laughs> with, uh, you know, and Piper, uh, you know, who uh, wouldn't take a fall and wouldn't make any money, <laughs> and uh, Nash is going to 
And then and Nash says himself, he's like, and then Nash comes in who can't work a lick. <laughs> it was it was a beautiful moment. It was of course. a beautiful moment of uh, honesty and uh, self deprivation. Uh, hey, the guy carried the ball. Was asked to, the guy said he could carry the ball. They gave him the ball and he carried it. No, he did, and uh, it takes a hell of a man to do that. Just before we mention the last name, just to you know, I know we've talked throughout this podcast about people going over certain people, helping the business, what's best for business. Uh, what I loved is when he uh, gave the torch to Goldberg in the Georgia Dome, Atlanta, because that made Goldberg's character like, wow, he beat Hogan. So, and Hogan didn't have to do that. So I, I know he gets. Uh, a lot of shit for his politics and you know whole you know having his friends but uh you know he did do some good things and but i a thunder in paradise was not one of them i'll tell you that much right now all right the last yeah the last name and i this man means everything in the business he's hated loved the polarizing uh yeah I, we're we're a lot alike yeah him and i right there's uh and he knows it, um, and I know it. One time, uh, early on, I, I blew. Uh, I did a lot of really stupid things because of the way that I was raised as a rebel, supposedly. Um, where I remember him one time coming in with just jeans and a black leather jacket on, and you know, he's like, "Hey, I'm like, let's buddy around," kind of thing. And then I, I make a joke about it where he's reached out several times uh, on long life conditions. And uh, we're, Vince and I are, are very close. I like him very, very much. We are talking and, about Vince McMahon for you yeah, younger. Oh, yeah. No, I love him. Are you kidding me, man? Big ballsy guy. Like, you know, he's not tougher than I am. Well, but, uh, nobody <laughs> you know, is. Like, no, no, no. It's one of those, you know, I can say it kind of things. But uh, the truth of the matter, we're, we're two peas in the, <laughs> but parting the money, <laughs> we're two peas in the pod, you know, on a lot of things. I'd go to them, like, I, they'd throw three piper. you got to do three Piper's Pits today. Yeah, okay. And I, I'd, I'd never know who the dang guests are. And all of a sudden, on the run, when you're doing live TV, you know, you're doing it on the run, I'd go, I'd go, Vince, I need something. Knuckles, Gorilla, got it, boom. You know, we had that kind of a uh, creative working workmanship and uh yeah uh god bless him well no listen he's allowed us to talk about all this stuff if it wasn't he loves to hate me if it wasn't for him uh (laughs) i wouldn't have uh liked wrestling as a kid and his father and And his uh, his grandfather and uh, i'd like to also thank Vern gagne for giving competition to vince you betcha i'd still wish i wish the wcw was rolling i wish vince was rolling you know, I wish they had a big company over in Europe rolling down South America. You know, I don't. Competition's good. Well, I agree because I think right now it's basically the WWE can just say, listen, this is a product. You don't like it, don't buy it. But they better watch out because people are going to start paying attention to what they're saying to us. There's UFC, and, you know, uh, that's very they have their own version of their network which i think cuts into wwe's network uh so uh, vince if you're listening to this to triple h listen there's no hard feelings uh I, I'm, you kicked me out of a limo once you'll never remember it 
That Staples Center. It's me, him, Stephanie, and my girlfriend at the time. And he's like, young man, uh, who's your favorite wrestler? And I said, oh, the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I was asked to leave the limo. He didn't, like, kick me out, but he kind of, like, blew me off. So yeah, uh, I got you. this is uh, beyond an honor. Uh, I know you. how busy you are. Uh, no, it's fun. It's been fun. I, you know how much I love you. But you, I know there's... Uh, you're a busy man. Your schedules. You've got like seven managers, eight assistants. I mean, uh, you're going somewhere. Where are you going tomorrow? I'm going to Nashville. Nashville. You know. Yeah. It's so. Uh, you didn't have to come the day before you travel. Uh, is I love it, you. I love you. I've never told Thank another you. man I love him other than my dad. Well, that's cool. And I've got two Good brothers. I like nice. them, but no, I'm just kidding. I love them too. Uh, sure. It, so people can go to www.rowdyroddypiper.com. You betcha. And uh, all kinds of... We just got the uh, they live masks in. And, I just bought yeah. one, seventy nine dollars. You really? I love Absolutely. You. I know. I, you think uh, I'm going to say after we're off air? Hey, man, can you hook me up? Your, I would. Your kids can't go to college on hooking up daddy. Uh, I'm very honored. I'm going to tell my little one when I talk to her. Uh, this some Jewish guy named Skakel just bought about three hundred dollars worth of stuff, so that'll pay for two books probably. I love it. Um, and then they are you uh, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, I'm uh, R underscore Roddy underscore Piper on Twitter because somebody stole my real name. Serious? How can you take my name and I got to use this one? I know. In any case, R underscore Roddy underscore Piper. Um, and um, on Twitter is it or on uh, Instagram? Real Roddy Piper. All one word. All one word. Thank you. And, and uh, uh, Facebook Roddy Piper. Facebook is Real Roddy Piper. Follow him. Uh, Instagram, like his pictures. That helps bump yeah. the numbers up. But please go to uh, RowdyRoddyPiper.com. And once again, I want everyone to know this. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts like Gene Simmons. will plug his bullshit. Uh, by the way, Kiss and WCW. Jesus, if that didn't sink it, I don't know what did. The demon character. Like, uh, we'll, I, we'll have another podcast just to talk about that shit. Hello. Um, and and uh, St St Sting getting rescued by RoboCop. Not realizing RoboCop. RoboCop can't fucking move. <laughs> the match took fucking four hours because RoboCop couldn't get out of the goddamn <laughs> walkway in time. Uh, but that's now Shockmaster's coming back. I didn't even get to Sid Vicious. Uh, <sighs> but... Uh, Broke his leg. I can't. Well, what? Who the hell's idea was it to have him jump off the fucking second rope? The guy had never jumped that far in his life, uh, other than from Arn Anderson in the hotel room with the scissors. That's a good way to wrap up this podcast. I, 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 I literally, someone who is a legend, 35 years in the business, I, I, this podcast could take eight. This could be like the, uh, There's a lot of pot. the Ultimate Warriors uh, Destruction uh, DVD. Uh, oh, the long one. Eight fucking discs on how shitty the guy was. And two years later, uh, it's, oh, how great he is. So uh, the, the hypocrisy of the, the wrestling business. I don't know how you lasted 35 years in it. 41. 41. Uh, that's even worse. I got to take a pee. Yeah, so listen. Uh, inappropriate Earl. iTunes, SoundCloud. Piper's Pit Podcast on the Podcast One Network. Uh, please check it out. I love you guys. I love Mr. Piper. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>